Do I get a couple of read-throughs or just one? Uh, you get as many as you want. Okay, perfect. Okay. Welcome to the Hometown Hollywood Podcast, where you can find advice, inspiration, and strategies for success from talented people that are making a name for themselves inside the film industry, but outside of the major film cities. Here's your host, Travis Myers. Today's guest is Dylan Hershuk, a director in basically every other role you can think of at his own film company, Versa Films in Saskatoon, a city in Saskatchewan, Canada. I'm a huge fan of Dylan's work, and I'm pretty sure I could have drilled him for hours with questions about his awesome projects. He's an open book, and I really believe that if you're starting out on your film journey and you take notes on the things that he talks about and actually try them out, your work will improve faster and you will meet more talented people to work with. In this interview, you'll learn about how doing free work can eventually lead to landing a music video with a music label, how to approach planning your film projects, where to seek inspiration, thoughts on cameras and gear, how a negative mindset might actually be helpful in growth, how to use social media to meet filmmakers you admire, how awesome our former guest Nick Pilecki is, how to secure 40 plus locations for a music video, and how the traditional method of slowly working your way up on a film set might not be the best option for you. I have this feeling that Dylan's career is just on the of exploding so if you haven't already go and follow him on social media and watch him kill it in the industry i hope you enjoy the conversation as much as i did so let's get right into the show all right well dylan hershuk <laughs> welcome to the show yeah thanks for having me so when i think of big movie towns i think la new york and saskatoon um, <laughs> yeah how is saskatoon uh, it's, it's not too bad. I think there's a lot of like pros and cons to it. Yeah. Saskatoon is like the biggest city in the prairies of uh, Saskatchewan. Um, it's as everyone knows, Saskatchewan is just like this super flat portion of Canada, a little less scenic, but, uh, I don't know. It can be very calm and soothing and it has a lot of like character to it It, it's different kind of has that small town feel within like a bigger city even though our bigger city is comparatively small compared to like you know vancouver toronto or whatever um but no it's a nice place the people are really really nice our film industry is small we don't have a lot of like movies being shot here or whatever but i do see a lot of creators of like my size starting to pop up more and more of like people that are just hungry to make cool content um i have a friend that shot three like zero to ten thousand dollar feature films on his own um yeah there's a lot more of that coming uh up or like people exploring music videos there's a lot of corporate work here so yeah it's it's a smaller industry but the the people that are in the industry are awesome uh a lot of them are inspiring me a lot of people are very bold here to like when i saw that guy make those feature films i'm like wow how have i not like i don't have the guts to do that yet uh versa films is just like me trying to build up the the courage to start doing short films and hopefully eventually feature films of my own um but it's just a way to for me to make money, but also for me to learn who I am as a creator. And luckily, because our industry is so small, I've been able to become, you know, a bigger fish in a small pond uh, much easier than, you know, I might get lost in the shuffle in in Ontario or or Vancouver. I think that's um, kind of what this show is all about, is finding people that are, the intro of the show says, making a name for themselves inside the film industry, but outside the major film cities. And it's a lot of hungry people, people who are just making it happen wherever they are. And speaking about that, uh, I've noticed as I did some digging that you are a very uh, creative person, and I found some stop-motion work that you <laughs> uh, did back in the day. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I you, went deep. I did the deep dive. Yeah, uh, even surprising. with your pumpkin carving, I noticed like oh, yeah. this guy has patience like no other. Um, I've I did probably two little stop motion things that were only maybe twenty seconds long, and I thought never again. I can't <laughs> handle this. Uh, how did your film journey get started? So when I was really young, I was always into like the arts or whatever. The 
one of the first things I was doing in, in grade two, I think, was I was taking like film pictures of my action figures and I was making stories out of them. They weren't animated, but it was like I was getting the, the photos printed and it was like, oh, yeah, here's my guys in this scenario. And and they would kind of build up a story. And then after that, I moved on and I wanted to make trading cards because I was super into Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! So I was making my own uh, cards um, and my parents got me a laminator so they would look like official and we were printing backs for all of them and me and my friends were drawing and coloring all the cards and we were (laughs) selling them to kids, you know, uh, at school. (laughs) Yeah. And, and there was a whole like rule, uh, rules around the game, kind of a copy of Yu-Gi-Oh, but we added a few extra flares to make it our own. And then I moved on from that and I wanted to be, uh, a video game designer. So we, me and a, a friend, we found this program called RPG Maker and we were making all these like small little, kind of like the Game Boy Pokemon games, games like that through this program and we started like a website with a forum and we started building a community across you know i don't know how far we probably had a couple hundred members or something so i was really into that and then i wanted to be you know a novelist and so i started writing a bunch and i I think in grade six i was like i had 150 pages to this novel but some of the chapters got lost and that's kind of when I gave up on that oh my gosh yeah it's a it's a very long-winded journey and then it sounds like you like me and my friends were like wanted to do all those things but you actually did them yeah (laughs) I'm I'm a bit crazy and then I think it was grade six or grade seven I started to fall in love with stop motion um, which I, I don't know why. I don't know if it was like someone rekindled my love for like maybe Tim Burns, The Nightmare Before Christmas or what. Cause I, I didn't grow up necessarily with that film, but I remember yeah. near that time that being a big influence in Tim Burns and, and stuff like that. So I started doing stop motion for like YouTube and there were like, I was in elementary school, but there were high schools here that were sharing my work to their students. And it was really weird. I was very into that. And I wanted to be like a, an animating YouTuber. And that was, you know, I think I was doing animating from grade six till maybe grade nine or grade 10. And huh. within the middle of that, we had one video project in grade eight where we had to do like a project about bullying. And most people most normal people, you know, spent an hour or half an hour just shooting in their bedroom. And it was like, this is our skit. And it all takes place, you know, in one location. And me and my friends were like, let's write a script. Let's develop like shots. And like, we took the TV dolly from the school and used that as our dolly. And it was like (laughs) a multiple day production. And that like was the first like I wanted to be an animator. I was so certain. And then it was like, no, like maybe it was just like, this is way easier, but it was just like, man, I want to do film. I still have a part in me that like, I would love to do animation if I got, you know, to that point of in my career where I could kind of direct movies, but also direct some stop motion movies, you know, every 10 years or something like that. But Yeah. uh, yeah, film really grabbed grabbed me and uh and then yeah since since high school it's just been doing that over and over again filming music videos for like my brother's band filming live bands uh and then I went to film school and yeah I've basically been pursuing arts and and film like my whole life I feel so uh I'm one of those people that I'm like yeah I kind of felt like everything that I was into led to film because film uses kind of all of them you know writing the the photography the um creating worlds and and you know even the commerce like the business side of me of like oh me selling like these trading cards that kind of comes into me trying to sell you know people video that i do for them and, and stuff like that so yeah it's interesting you went to film school and 
I really like your brand, especially your logo for Versa Films. Explain what Versa Films is or um, what it means to you in the roles that you play there. Yeah, so I run a production company called Versa Films, um, and we are a small company trying to do uh, things that feel a little bigger and larger than you would expect from coming from Saskatoon. So a lot of my inspiration comes from, you know, DPs and directors out in Ontario or Vancouver or LA. And I'm like, I don't have the budgets to do these crazy things, but I'm like, how can I, you know, put the time in to try to make something that feels a little bigger or how can I, um, work with a client and, you know, maybe the budget's not there, but if I can convince them uh, to do something more narrative driven, it'll be more beneficial for them, but also more creatively uh, beneficial for me. Yeah, my whole my whole company is like it's it's me, one employee, and then every project we bring on subcontractors, and I am kind of involved in a little bit of everything. Like I have to produce, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> my my focus is directing. I have to DP. For the most part, I would say 95% of the time, mainly out of necessity. I would love to hire DPs, but I can't either afford it or find the right DPs for for the way I work sometimes. Um, I edit almost every project. Yeah, I, nice. I, I dive into a little bit of everything. I'm even always thinking about, you know, wardrobe and set deck and how the person's hair will look and and whatever so it's uh, all encompassing but the it's all encompassing because of necessity because of like the budgets i work with don't necessarily allow me to hire someone that can just fully take the reins or fully like just find me stuff because they'd be making no money to go find me a location so <laughs> that's kind of yeah. just my reality right now and my hope is that you know if i can prove that i can make this style of work eventually the budgets will follow and that has been partially truthful because when i started doing work through versa my first couple projects i was asking for you know maybe a thousand bucks or whatever and people would be like what a thousand dollars like are you serious and and to me i was like oh man like am i asking too much or whatever and now we've done projects that are upwards to twenty thousand for one video and people are like yeah, I think you gave us a lot for that. Like they, they, they could see that I still <laughs> went above what that budget needed. So I'm no longer getting, you know, laughed at for asking for a thousand. Now people are like, yeah, you're worth more than 20. So that's very cool. Yeah, that's got to be really reassuring. Like it's always good to hear, oh, that was worth more than the money I asked for. And yeah. the money that I give you, especially it makes you feel bad. Like, dang, I should have charged more. But <laughs> <laughs> usually it means that like, our profit margins aren't very great. Like we spend a lot on like hiring crew and, and getting all the details right. But it's just like, I'm more passionate about making work I'm proud of than I am about, you know, making money as long as I'm making enough to get by right now. Like to me, I'm more about like the long game. My, my hope isn't that I'm directing corporate videos for my whole life. So it's like the more I prove that I can do narrative driven commercials or narrative driven or, artistic music videos the more people are going to start buying that from me so yeah. yeah to me it's just like play the long game it's okay to make a little bit less money and like you know you're just making it work because eventually i do think like you're building the strengths in the area of expertise that you want to work instead of just like following where the money comes because a lot of times the money is where the creative is not until like the really big leagues, it seems. Yeah. Well, I'd like to say as for someone who does cinematography out of necessity and just knocks it out of the park and then edits out of necessity and just knocks it out of the park, um, you kind of have to be a freak of nature uh, <laughs> talent-wise to be able to do all that. And so, um, yeah, I wouldn't downplay those things. But you're also very talented in the thing that you want to do the most, the uh, directing. Um so let's get into some work. I've been dying to ask you some <laughs> questions about uh, some of these projects. Sure. Um, I think the one that I noticed first or what got me on the rabbit hole of looking at everything that you do is the 
video Summer Haze by okay. um, Valours. Valour? Valour, yeah. Valour, okay. There's that uh, French influence. There's something <laughs> about it. Uh, my last guest was um, Wilson Lemieux from Amarillo. Hmm. I was like, wait a minute. I've got Wilson Lemieux. That's a French Cajun last name. I got uh, Logan LeBlanc from Louisiana. And so I'm getting like Louisiana people and Canadian people. And they all got this French influence. And I'm starting to think that maybe if I was a little more French, I'd be better at this. <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure it's not. I am actually French, but I'm sure that has nothing to do with. <laughs> anything and your work is unreal so uh i think i think everyone looks at other people and are like oh wow like i wish i was at that level like i when i look at my work i don't see that i'm like i i see that i'm progressing and getting better than i was but i'm like i'm so far from the kind of quality i want to put out so i just feel like that's what most artists and filmmakers like I, I feel like that's the reality you know I look up to a lot of DPs or like you look at um uh, Ryan Booth or whatever and his work's phenomenal and he talks yeah. a lot about self-doubt and looking at where other people are at and and it's just like you know with social media it's it's impossible it's inevitable there's always someone who's going to be better and it's also you don't see how much work and time and money went into that piece of work. So it's all kind of relative. We're all on our own weird journeys. Uh, but just know that like, I very much feel like, oh man, if only I was this, or I had more people I could work with, or I worked harder on this aspect of my career, or I was more educated or more intelligent about this. Like there's so it's never ending. Like, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to my own work. So that's interesting to hear from somebody who does work at such a awesome level. Um, yeah. So let, let's get into it. I love what you do, and this video, I think, uh, "Summer Haze" by Valour. I, must, yeah. I think I said it better that time. Oh um, yeah. That was a really creative little project. And so, how does that project come to be? What was the creative process for that video? Yeah, so that was a really fun one. It's probably one of my favorite projects as well. And one of the cool things about it was that I was able to rekindle that little stop motion kid uh, from yes. years back because I've been off the stop motion train for a long time. Um, basically, that artist had heard about us because we had won a, a local award province-wide for our music video, Petit Frel, who uh, is by context who actually wrote our demo reel theme song which would be the one i played to my intro and she she saw that and was like oh like i if i'm gonna hire someone i need to hire like this guy like he's doing stuff that's different and that's catching people's attention or and whatever and so we met up and she just had a really great attitude she was very much of like finding the right people and letting them do what they do best. She was willing to put in real money into it. She had saved up quite a bit. She was like, yeah, like she she's skipping over going to university because she wants to put that university money into getting the right recordings, getting the right videos, getting the right yeah. marketing. So she's like doing things in a way that I don't see too often in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And yeah, the creative was... We got together, we, we, we kind of built a friendship and it was me trying to learn of, of like, who are her influences? What are influences I have that she reminds me of? Um, and learning who she is at, as an artist and, and how she wants to represent herself. Then I was slowly starting to get different ideas. And I think I pitched like seven concepts to her and... Huh. That one was really for her first video because it had a lot of focus on her and it was just visual. She It really struck her. And to me, I don't do a lot of videos that are just like vibey and just like just visual. Like to me, I always like I strive for narrative or or some yeah. sort of theme or whatever. And so what I pitched was, yeah, it's it's a very like it's her performing in front of these seamless backdrops. And then there's going to be this opposite 
non-studio stuff that feels very raw and real of her performing in multiple locations outdoors. And then we're going to have animation and all this stuff. But the theme I was kind of projecting was the song is about letting summer be over and and you're almost waiting for it to be over because there there was like this negative energy to to the summer for her, which I think relates to like a relationship just ready for it to be over. Kind of like a summer fling. What I kind of pitched was like, what if we add a little bit of that kind of emotion and whatever into like the theme? So the colors we picked for the backdrops are supposed to represent like a fading sunset. So she's in front of yellow, pink, and blue. That's kind of the how I picture, yeah, the sun dimming into like blue hour and all her outfits match that. And all the outdoor locations also have like that gold sunlight or those pink clouds or eventually blue hour. And then all the animation, so it doesn't just feel random, it's all going to be summer items. Uh, Some of them are just gonna be fun, but some of them are gonna be like, you know, distorting them. So like a tennis ball on fire and and all this like weird, floating like a bicycle wheel just floating there and it kind of feels like a a sun beaming down or whatever so it was all like to a lot of people that project feels probably really random and just vibey and like for me it's like oh it was all about like theme and like color and and telling a story without telling a story um but it was such a blast to make uh but it took forever like we spent seven days to make that video (laughs) really but luckily that's incredible I have, because of my background in stop motion, like I'm an overly patient person. So I think we spent four days in a garage, just three days animating all this stuff. And I bought a program to do it better than, you know, I did in high school uh, called Dragon Frame that like, like a films and like the big stop motion animators use. And yeah, yeah, it was just like, it was so fun. It was like, oh, we spent two hours to get this sandcastle crumbling for maybe a second in the video. (laughs) But it was like, I don't know, that that stuff is probably why you're talking to me today is because like that stuff added to the end piece, I think. For sure. Yeah, I I will admit I didn't understand the connection of everything when I watched the video. (laughs) Now that I'm hearing it, I'm like, Oh my gosh. It just makes so much sense. And now I appreciate it on a whole other level. It fit before, but yeah, yeah. now it's like, dang. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, thought about I, this a lot. If that's yeah. just one of seven concepts, like, holy cow. Yeah, this was like the simplest concept, weirdly enough. And I think that's like one of the things I strive for in all my work is that there's like underlying choices that, like, yeah, 99 maybe a hundred percent of people won't read into or see or whatever. But like, I personally think you feel some of those things. Like if we just chose like a green backdrop and a purple backdrop or whatever, like I don't feel like it would feel the same way as the way that the colors represent what the song's about. You use primarily the Ursa Mini? Yeah. What are your what are your theories on gear? I like to talk about gear sometimes, even though I know that it's not everything, but it helps. Oh um, yeah, for sure. What are your thoughts on owning versus renting gear, and why do you choose the camera that you choose? Well, where I'm from in Saskatoon, you can't really rent gear. Like there, there's one rental house, and they don't have everything that someone would need or want and you have to be trained and like to rent the red you have to be trained and it just doesn't make sense to the kind of business I run and so when I was starting my business a lot of the conversation was about how black magic was kind of shaking up the industry with the original cinema camera the 2.5k camera and to me like it's a really weird camera to to operate it's not you know, it doesn't fit perfectly in your hands. You kind of need to rig it up. But the image was like mind blowing for the dollar. It was like, wow, it looks like a movie. And to me, that's always been so important was like the texture and like the the dynamic range and that that kind of thing. It does change how your work feels. It doesn't feel yeah. like not that there's anything wrong with like the DSLR craze or or whatever, but when that camera came out, it was like, oh, th- this is a way to kind of set us apart our, our stuff you know, if we light and expose and 
do all the other stuff right, like it could maybe feel a bit more filmic, which is an interest of mine. And I think it's an interest of a lot of people's. A lot of the high-end commercials that you see feel like these huge budget movies. And and there's a reason for that. Um, And then, yeah, we kept growing. Black Magic kept growing. And we ended up getting the Ursa Mini 4.6K, the original. I actually... That's still the yes. only camera I own. I don't own the Pro, but oh, I have yes. borrowed the Pro for a couple shoots from other people. Um, so most of our work is shot on the original. A few projects have been shot in B-Raw with the new one. And honestly, the only difference I, I see is like those NDs make a great difference because the the variable ND I have, you know, sometimes you get some stuff in the image that you don't want, like some purple vignetting or, or whatever that you have to work around um, where those NDs are just super clean. And I feel like I'm getting slightly better images with that camera, but I, I don't own one yet. Um, yeah. But I do think I'm not a huge gearhead. Like to me, it was like, I need something affordable that gets me closest to the image I like. And I like the Alexa image. So I think the black magic kind of has that, feeling it it reminds me more of that but i'm not like i'm not a very technical filmmaker i go off of feel like i don't pay a lot of attention to like oh this light behind here is two stops above here and that's gonna do this and whatever (laughs) like i'm very like let's dial that up or dial it down just based on like how is this image making me feel does it look right to my eye does it look dynamic um yeah i'm not someone who just like you put gear in front of me and I just know how to work it and get the best out of it. I like owning my gear so I can kind of learn it inside and out and learn how I kind of can make things with it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm a big black magic fanboy, but I also would not die on the hill of like gear is everything. I think especially knowing how much work I put into every project, there's so many filmmakers that it's like, no, the reason why this works is because they cared about the location. They cared about shooting it from the right angles and did the planning. And, you know, they rigged lighting uh, to replace the roof lights and, and stuff like that. And that's what makes a, a project come together. And like working on making something that's not just nice, but also cohesive and tells the right story for the right piece. Uh, like to me, that's the stuff that's like mind blowing to me instead of like, there's so many, there's like thousands of great cameras now and everyone is shooting with them and not everyone's work looks the same. So it's maybe everyone's work looks better than it did 10 years ago, but the work that really stands out is still the people that could shoot on a DSLR and still outclass, you know, me because they know what they're doing at just such a high level. So yeah, I hope that makes sense. Gear's important, but it's not the most important. So you had said the name of the the band and the name of the song, which I'm going to butcher. The one that yeah, yeah, the French Ponte, one. <laughs> the French Pontix. one, yeah, Pontix. Okay, um, I watched that and I thought, is there any way you could have fit in more locations? <laughs> that just seems like a monumental task. Like I think if I get a project and we're doing two or three locations, that like. Ooh, it's going to be a lot of work. You seem like you went everywhere for that one. Um, yeah. And not I, only following one person, but four people at a <laughs> time. Uh, I like the look. I like everything about that music video. Let's talk about that one. How did that one come to be? What was the creative process? And how long did it take you to make that thing? <laughs> yeah, quite a bit of time. Uh, yeah, that video was a crazy experience. It was like maybe too ambitious for me and the artist. Uh, I've worked with that artist quite a bit now. Uh, He's a a close friend of mine. His name's Mario Lepage. Um, And he is Pontex, but he does have, you know, band members for live performances and stuff. Um, Basically, he had come to me. He was applying for a big grant. So it'd be our first music video that had a, a pretty healthy budget. And... He was very influenced by this one music video by Radiohead. And basically, he's just walking through all these beautiful locations and just wandering through life. And it's shot by 
uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, like the director of um, Magnolia, Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood. Okay. Yeah, of course it's stunning. It's so, it's super beautiful. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I want something like this. And I'm like, ooh, like this probably costed a fortune, but let's see what we can do. And then to me, I didn't want to do something that was just like a copycat of that video. So I was like, how can we you know, do something that's influenced by that, but like, how can we turn it on its head? And I got the stupid idea. I was watching some fashion video that used split screen and I usually hate split screen. I just, I'm like, why? Like, I don't think it adds much. And for some reason it really worked in this fashion ad. And I was like, what if we do a video that like slowly starts breaking off based on like social interaction. So this guy's wandering and and he feels like a ghost in society. But as soon as he notices a person and that person notices him, now their perspective opens up where now we're watching both of them wander through life and it kind of expands and expands. You know, if I had all the money in the world, I probably would have kept it going until like there was like 16 or 100 people, like something crazy. (laughs) But it was like, okay, now that we have this crazy concept, this is basically like we're shooting for music videos. So it's so weird. We had a lot of, we had a decent budget. I think it was just above $10,000. And, you know, the money goes so quick because I was like, it is not how I would have spent the money. Typically, I'm like, okay, I want this to look like world class. I, I want it to be very lit and very like planned. And this shoot was kind of the opposite. It was planned, but it was very free flowing. It was very like, okay, I think our one shooting schedule, we were going to like 10 plus locations in one day. And it was just like, you have an hour here, just get a shot of a person (laughs) because we needed needed to incorporate like 40 locations over the whole piece or something. It was a little bit quantity over quality because it was like the, the story is about just passing by through all these relatable places until the end the end they come into a built set every person comes into like their apartment suite or whatever and it's all the same set that we redressed and it's very like studio lit and it's supposed to be like the opposite of the rest of the music video and all these people who were interacting or not interacting out there in the real world they get like this euphoria from interacting and finally being on their phone in the safety of their home and there's like this weird euphoria where all these four people are experiencing the same thing but it's supposed to be kind of a a commentary on like our our inability to like connect with people face to face but we're connecting online and and how that's just kind of a weird thing it's a very it's a bit up its own butt in in (laughs) concept but i think it's a it was cool. Uh, it's a very different video. It is unlike anything I have done before. And I think it was a good use of the split screen. I think there was like a, a yeah. meaning, a, a, a reason to use it there. But yeah, I think overall we had three or four main production days that were like full days. And then a bunch others that was just like, oh, let's get this one location here or let's try to get two locations here today. So I think overall it took 11 days to shoot, but we had a very small crew. Wow, that's awesome. I do I do think the split screen works uh, really well. There's so much to look at. Like I could rewatch it and like, okay, I'm going to follow this guy this time or I'm going to follow her story. And, yeah, yeah. Um, what did you what did you shoot on for that project? Because it looks it looks very interesting. I love the way this this one looks. It's got a grainy uh, vintage look to it. So it is the Ursa Mini 4.6K, uh, but I added uh, a lot of grain in post, and I think we had a black Pro Mist too, which most people are like, "Don't do it. It's too much." Whoa. And I'm like, if yeah. you put that on and you you grade it down and and re add that contrast. For very specific projects, I think it works. Um, we we just shot a couple scenes with it again for this new music video we're about to release. So I don't always use it. I'm not like, to me, it's, it's a, a very strong choice. But for that video, because we were doing something that was very just natural and raw and we wanted it to be kind of surreal, it was like, I want to go with something that was a very like bold, strong choice to give it some flavor because we were shooting and just like, 
sun's out, like the day's not nice or overcast here, or we're shooting by a bunch of cows. Like we weren't shooting in the most beautiful places. <laughs> we were just trying to make things work out of all these scenarios. So that was kind of the reasoning for that. Well, I, you went with a bold look and it, I think it paid off big time. Thank you. Um, you went through so many locations. This is, I guess the last question I have on this project, besides why can't I do it? But <laughs> um, you can. You just need to spend eleven days making one project for little money, and you can do it too. <laughs> There's the secret. That's what I've been trying to get out. Yeah. Um, so, how did you get all these locations? Was it just like what do we have available, or um, how do you go about securing? 40 different locations. Oh, it was hell. <laughs> it was a, a little bit <laughs> of everything. So it was like we wrote a list of it. Honestly, it was hard to think about, you know, 40 unique places. Like a lot of times, you know, people always make jokes of like, oh, all music videos are shot in a forest or in a warehouse <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, where do you expect us to shoot? Like, firstly, like finding the spot that works, but also like, just because you find that spot doesn't mean people want you shooting there or that you have the budget to pay to like run that cafe for 12 hours or whatever. Yeah. And so for this project, we wrote a big list, me and uh, Mario, and it was like, okay, here's our want. Let's see what we can get. And so he would try to like, okay, well, we want a church. I live in this small town that'll let me just walk into this church whenever. So we got that. My uncle owns a farm. We'll just go on his farm and do a couple shots there. There's actually, weirdly enough, there's mm. so many scenes in there. There was actually probably five to 10 that were cut out just from not being good enough. So there's there's even more than you've seen. Or we, we did oh reshoots. So it's, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, and then we we started reaching out to companies like the storage unit place and that one took forever to get, but they were like, yeah, this sounds really cool. And they acted in it. Um, <laughs> then the school, I think it was a school in a small town that Mario used to go to. So they were like, oh yeah, like one of our past students making a music video. Sure. Like hop into our real class and start shooting. And that's what we did. Mm -hmm. um, and then some places were just like, a lot of the outdoor stuff is like, well, it's a field. Like you can just kind of go there and shoot. And uh, there's like these weird like sand duny locations that look terrible if you aimed the camera slightly right. But, you know, in the right direction, <laughs> it looks kind of unique and, and whatever. So we, there were a couple locations we couldn't get. But uh, yeah, like a lot of it was like just talking to friends seeing what's free and then going to like local businesses and being like, look, we'll be here for half an hour. You can be working. It's a safe environment. We're a crew of like, it'll literally be me with a Ronin and him walking through this space. And we got them to sign contracts and, and everything. And yeah, most people were like, yeah, this sounds easy and kind of cool. And then, huh. yeah. And then we won an award for this video. Uh, we won best music video in Saskatchewan at our like big music Saskatchewan uh, award ceremony. So that was, that was cool. That's amazing. So leveraging places you might already have life experience with can go a long way if you're looking for locations. That's something I've always struggled with. Like I want to shoot here. And then uh, maybe I come up with the idea before... I actually have a real location I can shoot at. And I'm like, oh, dang, now <laughs> how am I supposed to find it? But yeah, um, I, very cool. I would say locations is one of my biggest struggles. And if I had the budget, I would hire a locations person every time because it's like I just need someone who's bold, who's going to like ask people and wheel and deal until they get the places. Because a lot of times it feels like we just <laughs> we just last minute luck out. But I think a big part of it is just like, know what you want and try to get it. And if you get 75% of it, that's better than not trying at all and just shooting at a place that's like easy. A lot of times just yeah. talking to strangers or, you know, putting a message out on Facebook or, or whatever can do you a lot of good. I've had people offer me cars, locations, uh, background actors, just from Facebook people I know. So like, I, I guess I have no shame. I'm just always like trying to make the best thing I can. At one time, um, 
I was shooting something in downtown Beaumont, Texas. Uh, nothing going on. It's almost like a ghost town, downtown area. And this guy drives up in a Porsche, <laughs> and he gets out. He's probably, I'm 28 years old, and he looks like he's about my same age, maybe a year or two older. And he uh, he's like, hey, man, um, you guys filming stuff? Like, Yeah. Uh, hey, I own a couple buildings downtown, like these big, huge, um, probably multi-million dollar buildings. Like, oh, yeah, wow. if you ever want to shoot at any of them, here's my number. Um, I also got some abandoned buildings, like an old rice dryer. That, what uh, the heck? It's like, oh my gosh, this is a dream come true. And then I saved his number on my work phone, and then I left that job I was at, and now I don't have his number. So. Oh. <laughs> Oh, my God. It's like the worst thing that's ever happened to me, and I'm hoping somehow he hears this podcast (laughs) and (laughs) reaches out to him and comes back and says, hey, man, here's my number. But That has uh, never happened to me, so (laughs) wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, locations are tough, and I think they're so key. A lot of my work is like, you know, I won't shoot in an all-white room. Like, I need good locations and good locations are not places that are good to live in. There are a lot of times places that (laughs) you would never want to live in. Like, Oh, this is tacky. But on film, this is really like cool and unique. And like the tackiness is interesting or, or whatever. It gives character to the the film. Like if you watch movies, like look at the, the houses and, and the places they're in and they're all super old. They all have all like a thousand lamps on in the background. Like it's all about like, you want to find that aesthetic. And I think the work yeah. I gravitate towards is like, like you were saying, like, how do you do a music video with 40 locations? Well, my advice would be don't, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think doing projects that like from a pace standpoint, like keep moving and keep taking you to new places is like very important, at least to the work I do. Like the, this video, there's a lot of locations, summer haze. There's a lot of you could break it down to locations, like a lot of different looks. And like, I try to do that with everything I do. Even if, if you get a house, okay, break the story into three rooms in that house instead of one or five. Like I've done whole music videos where it's all in one house, but we broke it up into like eight locations and yeah, it's more work, but it just, you don't get bored. You know, a lot of times when you watch something that all takes place in one scenario, it's like, well, you're kind of seeing the same shot over and over again. Maybe the angle's slightly different. But if you can like just have that person in a slightly different room with a new lighting setup, it feels fresh. And it, I, I think that's a key to like a lot of the work I like. They, they know how to like progress the story in a way that like the location is always changing and it's uh, changing your expectations and, and feeling fresh every like five to 10 seconds. My work is very planned and very like overly thought out probably more than it needs to be but a lot of times the end product comes out where it's like oh it feels intentional where a lot of times Uh when I first started it was like oh they asked us to do this video like let's just go there and shoot some stuff and we'll make it into a video and that stuff turned out fine but I feel like when you start putting in the pre-production and you start looking at like thinking about oh we're gonna be on this side of the room because this looks awesome so all our lighting is gonna be upstage from from over here and and trying to figure that out like I think it's yeah putting that extra time into lighting but also putting extra time into just like pre-production like I plan for you know what if our whole plan falls apart do I have a backup a lot of people probably don't and they just try to like stick with the thing that they set out to do and to me I'm like no I have like I have a backup plan I have backup scenes in case this doesn't work and we just need to pivot wow I I think that's really changed like where my career is going or, or where my work is starting to look and feel better to myself or even other people is just because it's like yeah there's care put into like small details and it's not just like run and gun A lot of people do really great run and gun work, but I think the work most people aspire for is work that like took a lot of thought and planning and a lot of skill. And that's where like, that's what I'm working towards. I still don't see my work in that way. Like, I don't think I've gone there, but I think I'm starting to get what it takes to 
you know, make that $100,000 commercial or, or whatever. Yeah. So you're saying that you're put in, uh, put in, my Texas just came out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're putting more emphasis on uh, lighting and planning. So where do you look for to inspiration? What is one of your big resources for learning cinematic lighting? Where do you get inspiration for direction? I am always learning. I am always researching. I like I watch YouTube videos probably every day. Sometimes it's to learn the same techniques that I learned five years ago. You know, even learning about like... <laughs> Yeah. shutter speed again or or exposure false color whatever and it's just because i want it to become so natural in my brain that i don't have to think about it because a lot of times like when you first learn about that stuff it's like here's the 10 to 20 things you should do before you even turn on the camera and that can be <laughs> overwhelming but the more you learn and the more you put it into practice the more it just becomes like second nature it's just like breathing like of course i'm gonna pay attention to my color temp and of course i'm gonna you know get my f-stop to where i want and then light it accordingly or, or whatever or i'm going to expose for my highlights that's a big thing that's changed my lighting game is exposing for the things i can't control like windows or the outdoors the sun and then lighting mm. accordingly to get you know my levels where i need them to be uh aesthetically i think i just like i absorb as much as possible and i relearn and relearn and relearn and i'm inspired by everything like i i love you know cinematographers like nick palecki who you had as a guest who i was so lucky to work with um this year and and now he's a good friend of mine i'm super inspired by like yeah films who was like a a Canadian punk rock music video director who I think he's in Vancouver now, but he's been doing mm. unreal stuff for years. I'm inspired by a lot of film directors. I'm inspired by a lot of local talent here who are doing stuff that, you know, maybe it's not the kind of work I aspire to make, but they're making bold moves to make work that is very for them that I, I haven't been courageous enough to do. And like even photography, like I save so much photography as just like, this could be an idea that would work in a music video or, or the way this light hits this person's face or they're using streaks in this unique way. Like, I just think like be inspired by, oh, this sounds so cheesy. Uh, be inspired by like everything <laughs> around you, even like the people you're, you're talking with, the people in your life, like pull from real experiences and, and write that into a project. Like my, my next music video that I'm doing is about my own experience dealing with my grandma going through dementia and you know a lot of people might not fully see that or get that but like literally the script i wrote is my mom's name my dad's name my name and we casted actors to play basically my family and then my grandma and now they're naming the song after my grandma and it's just like wow i don't know i just be inspired by your own experiences by all art around you or just anything like i I get it from everywhere. And to me, I'm just like, the more you relearn and realize that everyone is better than you. Like, I think that the biggest thing that stops <laughs> people from progressing is thinking that you know it all. And like, to me, I feel like I, at least I tell myself, and this is probably a very negative place to be in, but that I know nothing. And I just, I need to keep striving for more and bigger and more ambitious. And, and I want to be like Nick and I want to be like, yeah, films. And I want to be like Max <laughs> Moore. And I want to be like Denny Villeneuve. Like there's so many people that inspire me. And, and that's like what creates like that chase for me in everything I do. Well, I think if that is what's working for you, then continue to think that way. But I'd like to let you know that I want to be Versa Films. <laughs> I want to be Dylan Hershuk. No, you yeah. don't. <laughs> I promise give you. you. <laughs> give yourself credit where it is due because you do awesome stuff. Well, I appreciate um, that. I definitely do let like a negative mindset drive me a lot, which is to a lot <laughs> of people not healthy. But I do think there's a lot, weirdly enough, beneficial in that to like to spend years thinking you suck. But that's the only way you get to a place where you suck less. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. When I look at it, I, I'm thinking like global and I know so little compared to like Roger Deakins or, or whatever. Like, like you, you told me that 
you like the way I, I light things or whatever. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm winging it every time. But clearly I'm <laughs> I'm learning a little bit because I'm able to wing it similarly every time and, and progress. But it's like there's so much I don't know. And I think it's important to know that. So I know that connections are one of the biggest assets you can have in the film industry. Do you have a uh, active approach to networking and finding other talent to work with? Or do you think people just find you and are like, hey, man, I want to work with you because your work is so awesome? Uh, that definitely does not happen like too often. I, I've had <laughs> the odd occasion <laughs> where uh, someone, I guess, admires uh, a, a piece. At, weirdly enough, that velour piece a lot. Like I've gone someone from a couple cities away that was like, oh man, I love that video. Like I want to work together and now we're working together. Um, but mm-hmm. usually I'm a very, and you probably can't hear it from this interview, but I'm a, a much more introverted person. I'm terrible at networking. I don't, I don't like doing the whole business thing and I'm not a, a schmoozy person. Uh, what I try to do is just be very honest with people and sell that. Like I'm very passionate. I, I'm probably going to care about their project more than they care about it. And so that like, for some (laughs) reason that has really attracted certain clients. And then for just like other filmmakers, most filmmakers don't think they're like, you know, hot. (laughs) And whether you put them on a, a pedestal or whatever, like a great example is I was a big admirer of Nick Pilecki or I think he was Hungry Boy Productions at the time. And his work like blew me away. Everything he did, I was like, wow, he is on some next level stuff. And I, I, I will not be shocked if he's, you know, doing some of the biggest commercials in the next five years. Like he is something special. And I messaged him as like a fanboy, And I just like, I was like ready for him to not respond. Like he has like 20,000 plus followers on Instagram. Like I'm varies i'm from saskatoon like no one wants to come here it was like he's not going to respond but let's just see like what's his rate it's probably insane but i'd love to work towards that and he got back and he was so friendly and he actually checked out my work and he liked it and it built like a friendship and he gave me like a oh yeah if we work together like i'd give you a favor rate because like he wanted to now work with me because he saw something special in me it's probably because i'm a insane planner with every project and he he liked the idea of being on a project that had more planning i think you'd be surprised like there will be some people that you know won't respond and and whatever and it it sucks but like just be bold and tell the people you admire that you admire them in a non-creepy way and a lot of times if if it seems especially if it seems like there's opportunity for them in the future that they could get a job from you or or whatever and it's not just you hitting them up for advice all the time um you'd be surprised with like what opens up the fact that this guy i admired so much is now one of my favorite collaborators and he's uh he gives me notes on all my work he sends me work he's working on and i get to see like you know the behind the scenes of how he makes it work and um yeah. I think once you break down the wall of like, oh my God, he's a god of filmmaking. It's like, oh, he's just a, <laughs> he's a human being, and like we're friends now. He's gonna shoot my wedding for me, and like, oh wow, yeah. Don't tell people that because he does not shoot weddings, but he's doing me a solid because <laughs> we're friends now. But uh, I don't know. Just be bold and tell people that you like their stuff and you wanna you know, interact with them or, or whatever. And most people will say yes. If someone contacts me, I always respond. Uh, there was this guy named Travis. He wanted me on a podcast and here I am. <laughs> well, I'm sure Travis appreciates that. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. So I guess the, the last question is uh, what I think you may have mentioned it a little bit, but what work do you have in the pipeline that we can be on the lookout for and how, can our guests connect with you? What's the best way to follow your work? Yeah, sure. Um, so the best way to follow me is on Instagram or Facebook, both at Versa Films, or you can follow me personally at uh, on Instagram at, uh, at Dylan Hershuk. But most of my film stuff is through Versa Films. Um, and basically we post uh, most of our favorite projects, you know, screens from them, some behind the scenes, 
trying to figure out, you know, the best way to, to share our work without being like too much and without being too little. Uh, but that's kind of the best way to follow us. As for my future, I'm I'm definitely the person like I don't do an inc- a crazy amount of jobs, but I put a crazy amount of work into the jobs that I do do. So I would say right now there's just one big project that, you know, is coming out soon. And that's uh, my next music video for the band Spirit Box. And it'll be our first collaboration with uh, with a label with Rise Records. And I'm so excited. It's my first time working with a record label. And I've been building this relationship with this band Spirit Box for a couple years now. Um, And it's been awesome. It's been probably the most wildly successful part of my career. It's like when they put out a video, I think the lowest we have is 450,000 views or something like that on one of our videos. And the highest hit... I saw one of your videos was... uh, You just hit a million on... The Blessed Bee, yeah, Blessed Bee hit one. I think it's at one point three million views now. It has over a hundred video reactions. Uh, The comments are insane, and the comments actually mention Versa Films by like name. Like people know us now because of our work with Spearpox, and it's like it's wild. That has never happened before, (laughs) and I'm super excited to see what you know the response will be on the next one. But it is like it's probably our riskiest video yet because it's they're a metal band and this is like their most sentimental song and our most sentimental video it's super personal to me because it's about my my grandmother um and my it's based on you know my experience it's not like verbatim my experience but it's it's very personal it's very sad um and i hope people like it but i'm also ready for it to be like my most criticize spirit box music video because it's <laughs> weirdly enough it's it's risky in the metal world to do something that's more real and sentimental and sad instead of just like a lot of times you want to do something that's just angry or emotionless and uh yeah they're taking a big risk with me but i think that's also the reason why their band is seeing so much success is because everything they do comes from left field you expect one thing from them and then they do the opposite and then now you expect this super heavy track and the next song is going to be their softest track they've ever done so that's just been such an amazing collaboration i've been kind of growing with them obviously they're growing in a big way but my career has moved a little ahead with them and it's been i'm so lucky to work with them and it's been like one of the greatest opportunities uh for me and uh on that note like it all came from me offering to do them a job for free i don't do a lot of free work i'm i'm pretty anti-free work because a lot of times you know there's no there's not a lot of benefit for the creator than there is for the the business or the the band but when you're reaching out to people to provide them free work because you see you know that success is going to come their way or, or you're banking on like you know, I really like what they're trying to put out there. And if I can be a part of spreading that, you know, maybe they'll keep me on and we can grow together. Like that does work. And it worked with Spirit Box. This is our fourth music video that's going to be coming out. And it's also the most exposure I've ever gotten. And it's because I reached out to people to do free work that I saw was an opportunity for both of us versus someone just coming to me looking for free work because they have no money or, or whatever that doesn't always work. Like exposure, exposure doesn't work if that person has no exposure to give. So you need to get paid or you need to be (laughs) creatively invested or, or whatever. There's gotta be something in it for you. And, uh, that's why I think like, if you're going to do free work, reach out to the people that you admire, that you want to work with. Um, cause like, yeah, free work does do you good. Like you were talking about collaborations and one of my favorite collaborators, I worked for him for free the first time. And it was just because I, I wanted to work under him and he kind of took me under his wing and he taught me a bunch of stuff. And like, if I didn't do that, you know, I'd be so far behind compared to where I am. And it's just like, I don't, I don't stress like, Oh, do free work everywhere. But like, if you see an opportunity, 
use that opportunity and like it what what can you offer if you're someone who just wants to like learn from someone or or you want to get exposure from someone well you can offer hard work dedication and doing things for free i think that's really good advice because a lot of the advice to filmmakers who are just starting their journey is do free work and that's about the extent of it but going out and choosing what free work you do is very important because like you said, those are the ones that are probably going to be the most beneficial for you. I, I know I want to work in like the metal and punk music scene because that's kind of what I've grown up in. And like, you know, if if uh, a country artist comes and asks me to do a free video and I'm less like I'm less into country, they have a smaller audience um, and it's not really the route I want to take my career. But but I'm looking at it as like, well, it's a portfolio piece it's more so a portfolio piece for more country videos. So if I, you know, go do something that's specifically in the the world I want to live in, that's, you know, that's where I'm starting to get people contacting me. And I've had some of my favorite bands because they are friends with Spirit Box. I've seen them comment on my work now and I'm like, wow, you know, just... That's got to be super cool. Yeah, I have no words. Like one of my favorite guitarists commented on like our video being like oh i love this video or one of this these this huge band that you know gets millions and millions of views and tours the world said like oh this is one of the best music videos i've ever seen and i'm like that's just like my work (laughs) yeah it's just like it's mind-blowing it's very hyperbolic but it's like i'll take it like that's that's definitely the right thing I want to see and that's going to move me towards working with those kind of clients when I was in film school I I worked with this actress and her brother was a Steadicam operator, a very like renowned Steadicam operator. So he chatted with me one day just to help me out because I was about to move out of film school and I wanted to know, you know, how do I become a director or whatever? And, you know, a lot of people think, well, you work on a film set and you slowly work your way up and whatever. And I worked on a, a big film set when I was in film school and I did not enjoy it. I am not built to be a PA. Like it was, it was grueling. And I was like, this could be the rest of my life. I ran into a guy like 50 years and hadn't moved up. And, you know, it, those people are needed. Of course, you know, if you're happy to be a gaffer or whatever, that what this Steadicam operator told me was he was the Steadicam operator of like Juno and all these crazy things. He told me, if you want to direct, direct. If you want to do camera operating, camera operate. Because whatever you do and prove that you can do, that's what you get pigeonholed into. Everyone gets pigeonholed into something. So if yeah. if you want to direct things, working your way up from a PA or, or a gaffer or a dolly grip or whatever, it's very slim that you're going to get the opportunity that moves you up over and over and over again until you're directing. Versus, you know, now where the world is, you can direct something yourself Maybe it's, you know, very small, but you never know who's going to see that or or you're building the skills towards getting those real opportunities. Because this guy, he told me he did one shoot where he was asked to travel to like Africa or something as a Steadicam <laughs> op. And he was like hesitant, but he did it. And after that, now he's known as like the traveling Steadicam operator. Like that's mostly <laughs> what he does because you do something once and people like believe that's who you are. Um, another good example yeah. of like this mindset is the director of like Shazam and Annabelle Creation and stuff. Oh, he, yeah. David Sandberg? Sandberg? Yes. Yeah. He, he was just like a YouTuber uh, on Vimeo and he would make short films like very, very small, no budget short films with his wife. His and, poor wife. Uh, she's the victim of all of this (laughs) (laughs) and uh his whole career was made out of that like i think james wan saw him and picked him up and they took their his three minute short film lights out and now it's a feature film and now he's a hollywood director and it's because he proved that he could direct by just doing it instead of like slowly working his way up and i think you know i'm not saying that's not. That's probably not going to happen for me. That's probably not going to happen for ninety percent of filmmakers. But like, there's probably a better chance that people are going to find you and hire you for what you want to do 
by proving that you can do that job. Well, I will leave links to your Instagram uh, website, whatever. And uh, I am excited to see what you do. And I'm very excited to see your new Spirit Box uh, music video. I'm sure I'm going to cry and love it. Um, (laughs) But it was great having you on, man. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time and the opportunity. And uh, yeah, no, it was a real pleasure for me to be here. And that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you do great work, be the artist you want to be. It helps you not be afraid to jump in with both feet and make things happen in your film community. Be sure to follow Dylan and Versa Films to keep up to date with all their exciting projects. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you, do not subscribe. You may be writing your positive review on iTunes at this very moment, but people would start finding the show and it might get a little out of hand, so refrain if you can. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next awesome guest on the Hometown Hollywood Podcast. Perfect. Hershek. I, I told someone that one time and it was like, oh no, your your last name, it's pronounced.